You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast. Um, I'm Steve Burnham. And again, we have David Ebden, as usual, on the, on the other desk. Hi, Steve. Now, uh, Dr. Mark Pizzicala from BDO Australia has uh, gracefully accepted the invitation to come back. Uh, so welcome back again, Mark. Thank you. Um, who, Mark, was also on the Board of Taxation, I should mention. Um, now, I think last week we touched upon the um, uh, company tax rate. Well, changes of the company tax rate has been in the news for quite a while. Um, what's, what's, been, what's developed? Well, look, there, I guess there's been some uncertainty uh, this year, mainly because um, it wasn't clear whether or not uh, a company that might have had passive investments would, in fact, be able to claim the uh, lower company tax rate of 27.5%. Uh, there was also some conjecture around uh, when a company's, in fact, uh, carrying on a business. So, so look, some commentators um, classified companies holding passive investments, including you know so-called bucket companies linked to family trusts, yep. as being eligible for the lower rate of uh, 27.5%. So so, the, so, all of the, I guess, discussion has been around those those elements. Right. Mm. Has this uncertainty come to a conclusion? Well, look, the government has, has somewhat cleared this up by introducing a bill to, uh, to clarify which companies are eligible for the lower rate, um, as well as ATO guidance on, on carrying on a business uh, for the purposes of of eligibility to uh, to claim the lower rate. Yeah, that's what's been been circulating around the media. Mark, could, could we look at the new legislation? Um, just wondering if you could describe the changes that will that will amend the tax law to ensure that a company um, well will not qualify for the lower rate. If you know what I mean. Um, apparently, if, if more than eighty percent of its assessable income is passive income, uh, comes into it. Can you explain a little, that a little bit for us? Sure. Well, okay, so there's Treasury Laws Amendment Enterprise Tax Plan Base Rate Entities Bill 2017, and that amends the tax law to ensure that a company won't qualify for the lower rate of tax, company tax, if more than 80% of its assessable income is passive income. Uh, So this is meant to be a a bright line test, um, which will replace the previous requirement that a company be, be carrying on a business. Okay, so what does passive income actually include? No, good question, David. And look, passive income, it's, it's a new concept where, where it's called base rate entity passive income. And it includes, amongst other things, portfolio dividends. That's dividends on shares with less than a 10% voting interest, franking credits, net capital gains, rent, interest royalties, as well as certain amounts that flow through a partnership or a trust, as long as what flows through is attributable to an amount of underlying passive income. Um, with the small business, there's always been a turnover test to qualify. Is there a turnover test for the uh, lower company tax rate? No, there is, Steve. Um, one of the thresholds in determining whether a company is entitled to the 27.5 rate is its aggregated turnover test, and it must be less than um, the annual aggregate turnover threshold of $10 million for 2016-17. Um, right. So, importantly, the aggregate turnover of a company includes the annual turnover, uh, of the company and its connect and its related entities, if you like. So, so from an advisor perspective, it's important to look at not just the entity in front of you, but also um, other related entities, because uh, you need to take all of those turnovers into account. Right. So, whether a company is carrying on a business is still an important consideration for some companies. It is still an important consideration insofar as the 2016-17 year goes because you still need to consider uh, uh, that question for that income year. Uh, 
That's why on the same day the legislation was introduced, the ATO also released draft ruling 2017-D7, which focuses on, on that very uh, question. What does that mean, actually? Someone to be um, seem dumb, but isn't it obvious? What does carrying on a business mean? Sure. Well, look, the draft ruling states uh, a number of factors should be considered if you're carrying on a business, and, and they're things that I guess most of us would be accustomed to, such as the nature of the company's activities, its intention to carry on a business, the degree of repetition and regularity of the company's activities, yep. and uh, as well as size and scale. So TR 2017-D7 also includes several examples of common scenarios of when a company is and is not carrying on a business. So what scenarios are included within the draft ruling? Some examples of where a company uh, perhaps is not carrying on a business includes a dormant company where it's got retained profits and a bank account, um, might derive a small amount of interest income that only covers its holding costs that would be considered to not be carrying on a business. A company engaged solely in uh, the preliminary activity of, of investigating the viability of a particular of carrying on a particular business, um, a family company whose only income is trust distributions from a discretionary trust, which it then distributes part in cash to shareholders, and the balance might be held on a non-interest bearing account. Um, and lastly, a family company with unpaid present entitlements from a family trust provided it hasn't demanded payment from the trust, nor has it entered into any arrangement with the trust to receive any profit from the uh, UPE. So there's some examples. On the alternative side, in terms of when, when it might be carrying on a business, um, the TR 2017-D7 does include a family company that has a UPE from a family trust, but which it has entered into an arrangement or agreement with the family trust to loan the UPE funds back to the trust in return for a commercial rate of return secured against the assets of a trust. So, look, these examples are quite specific. Uh, there's always going to be uh, shades of grey, as mm. your listeners would be aware. Right. Um, some of these examples might be considered to be plain vanilla and maybe don't address some of those grey areas. So I right. think that's where uh, it's important to have a look at the facts and circumstances of each case. Yeah, yeah. Um, David, earlier this year, showed me the draft law, which was out for consultation um, quite a little while ago. Uh, what's the difference with, between that and the new law? Yeah, so, so the amendment uh, now will apply prospectively from the 1718 income year, uh, which differs from the original start date of 1 July uh, 16. Right. Okay, so what will be the impact of this um, prospective amendment? So the impact is that as, as they're going to apply prospectively, um, um, it means that they're going to apply from the 2017-18 income year, and this will which is, as I say, changed from the, from the draft law, which, which was to, to uh, apply in the prior year as well. And I guess it just provides taxpayers with a bit of clarity going forward about uh, what the rules are going to be in advance. Right. Will it have any effect on prior income years? Well, in the 17 income year, um, a company, irrespective of whether it had passive investment income, will need to be carrying on a business and have a turnover under $10 million to mm. to qualify for the 27.5% uh, uh, tax rate. So it, it will need to review the draft ruling to see whether or not it is, in fact, you know, carrying on a business for that year. Okay, do these companies need to do anything else? Well, originally, companies might have... Uh, might have been, um, given that the returns have prob uh, may have gone in, they might have um, paid tax at the 30% rate. And I guess, I guess the issue now for them is, well, maybe review the situation. Uh, they may be able to put in an amended assessment, but only if they're satisfied that their circumstances would now align with the ATO's view.
Right. The um, passive income you were saying um, includes interest income, royalties and rent. Um, look, I had the impression it was widely accepted for ages that the taxpayers can be engaged in the business of getting interest, rent and royalties. Won't these taxpayers be, be you know, impacted? Sure. Well, look, there are existing provisions that ensure interest derived by an entity that is from an active conduct of a business of that nature, you know, like money lending, um, wouldn't be treated as passive income. Um, however, it appears that the same exclusion doesn't apply to rent or royalties. Um, so under the changes, rent and royalties will constitute passive income, and it seems to be the case irrespective of the extent of the activities that would otherwise point to an active business. So in other words, companies which are in business of actively de deriving rent and royalties um, well, could well be considered to be uh, passive investment companies. So I think that's an area that needs to be watched. Uh, you know, we need to watch this space on, on that area as, it, as that might change, but that's certainly the case at the moment. Okay, okay. So um, what should taxpayers do? Well, it's imperative uh, for any company seeking to apply the lower rate to carefully consider their, their circumstances, um, carefully consider TR 2017 D7. Um, submissions are due 1 December 17, so I think we'll just have to wait and see until after consultation has concluded to see what the final ruling looks like. Mm. Well, Mark, you've got contacts. Um, what's the ATO's final word on, the, on these developments? Uh, well, look, my contact's limited to the media releases as well, uh, Steve. So, but uh, look, just having a look at the media release in relation to, to this topic, the, the ATO's advised that, you know, it, it will adopt um, a facilitative approach to compliance in relation to the carrying on of a business um, for the 2016-17 year and, and not select companies for audit based on their determination of whether uh, they were carrying on a business for the 17 year unless it would seem that the decision to do that, uh, look, is plainly unreasonable. So I think, um, you know, I think whilst the ATO can sometimes be criticised, the good news is that uh, they are releasing guidance to assist with the interpretation of the rules. Uh, they are engaging with taxpayers on, on how the guidance should be framed. Um, so I think, you know, I, th I think uh, all in all... Um, everyone is trying to get to a, a common sense approach. All right, and what about you, Mark? What's your view on the, uh, your final word on these developments? Well, I think, look, I think, I, I think when all's said and done, um, everyone's trying to achieve an approach that's fair, uh, and it would appear that, you know, taxpayers are only gonna be questioned if the approach they're taking is outside the norm or what would you, or what would ordinarily be expected as not taking a reasonable approach. So yeah. I, think, I think that's all, you know, I don't think we can ask for much more than that at the moment. No, no, just as long as it stays, as you said before, plain, plainly reasonable yeah. to, to a, a normal person. All right. <coughs> um, thank you, Mark Pizzicala, once again from BDO Australia and the Board of Taxation for being here. Uh, hopefully we can persuade you to come back sometime in the near future to be, because your insights are very welcome and very insightful. Thanks, Steve and David. Thanks, David. Good. Thanks, listeners. Be back next week.